Welcome to Arts Alive, focusing on the working artists of California's Central Coast. I'm your host, Brian Asher Alhadif. Joining me in the studio today is Zach Johnson, who is a dynamic freelance theater artist. His local professional credits include collaborations with Opera San Luis Obispo, San Luis Obispo Repertory Theater, The Great American Melodrama, and Pacific Conservatory Performing Arts, to name just a few. Welcome, Zach Johnson. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks for having me, Brian. I'm glad to be here. You bet. Tell us a little bit about your Central Coast journey. How long have you been here, and what's that path been? Well, I moved here in 2007. Um, I had just graduated from the University of Laverne in uh, Southern California. And my father was producing a show, uh, actually at the PAC, um, a production of Jesus Christ Superstar. And he had lost a couple actors... um, with some conflicts about two weeks before they opened. Mm -hmm. And so he had been asking me for months to come up and do it. And I kept saying, no, and no, I'm not, you know, I've just graduated. I wanted to do some other things first. Um, But, you know, a two week commitment uh, for that production ended up uh, with a, basically a 14 year (laughs) residence in San Luis Obispo. And can we know what was your role in that production? Um, I came in and played the devil in the overture. which was mainly a dance thing. And then I played Simon Zalotti's, who sang uh, Power and the Glory, I think is the song from um, the show. Man, that was a long time ago. That's that was... a great show. It's time to, re-bring, to bring that back. You know, that would be another, that would be a fun one to bring back. Um, I, think it's, I think it's a really exciting show. I think it's classic. Um, and I think you can do a lot of fun things with it still. Um, so, yeah, I came up to do that, and I got tied in to... Uh, the the theater community and um, uh, choreographer by the name of Susie Miller uh, kept me on to do a production uh, of a workshop called uh, Tumbleweed Connection, which was an Elton John um, kind of jukebox musical that uh, a local had written. Um, and so I stayed on to do that. And from there, I met a man named Ryan Cordero, who was starting a new theater company called Sorcerer Productions. And uh, he was kind of new to directing, and this was a new thing, and so he wanted to hire new people, and I had choreographed a couple shows by that point in time. And so he kept me, so I kept on to do that, and then from there I was the resident choreographer for them until, basically until I moved to New York City in 2009. Um, And when I got back from New York, I went on tour for about six months. What happened in New York? That must have been, uh, I mean, from San Luis Obispo to New York is Uh, like going from a wind-up watch to a, (laughs) you know, a G-Shock. It was, you know, it was one of the (laughs) wildest uh, times. You know, frankly, I was a very lucky actor. Um, I moved to New York in October. I had a job lined up. I had been working for Starbucks in San Luis Obispo, so I had a job lined up at Starbucks well, there. Which Starbucks are we talking uh, about? I was, at, I was at the Madonna Plaza Starbucks. The one right by Ralph's. The one right oh, by yeah. Ralph's. I love that place. El Mercado. Um, and so I was there for a couple years when I was doing shows here, and then I transferred to a Starbucks on and, and that would have been with the rest of the acting community in San Luis Obispo, No, right? you know, actually, I was the only actor at that oh. shop at the time. Um, later on, there were some other actors who worked there uh-huh. who, I've, who I've, I'm still friends with. Um, and I transferred to a Starbucks on 41st Street and Broadway. So <laughs> I was, uh, I, it's now a footlocker. But literally, I would, um, I was living in the upper, upper west side, not all the way Washington Heights, but like 146th Street and Broadway. So I would take the one train down to Times Square 
and get off the train and every day I'd get out and like look up at the you know the the New Year's ball that was there wow. and I'd walk down to my um and did Starbucks help you with that trend? Is that part of the Starbucks? That was one of the nice things about working for Starbucks at the time was that I could transfer to any other. And so that was one. Now, had I to do it again, I probably would not have chosen a Starbucks in Times Square. Um, it's a much different world working for Starbucks at the time than it is now. And especially going from San Luis Obispo Starbucks to uh, right. a Times Square to Starbucks. But, um, you know, it was a great way to have a job straight away. And at the time, I didn't know what I'd be doing. I didn't really know a terrible amount about New York. I just knew I was going to go and I was going to audition. Mm -hmm. And so with that being said, I wanted to make sure that wherever I worked, I was close enough to the auditions. So you shot from San Luis Obispo to New York with no real understanding of how you'd be working, except that you'd audition. Is that correct? I mean, yeah, I knew, I mean, I, I knew there were auditions throughout the year and I knew I would just go to auditions and I would work at Starbucks. I ended up waiting tables as well at a at a restaurant in Times Square too. And um and I went on auditions and I remember I was I had auditioned for this show um called Nickelodeon Storytime Live, which was live action um Dora the Explorer and Nihao uh -huh. Kai Lan. And I had auditioned for them in November because they were getting ready for an open in Jan in like New Year's um, holiday time opening at at, at a, a, a Rockefeller Center. Um, and and I didn't get it, of course. Um, but then six months later, not even six months, four months later, uh, they were having a recasting because people were leaving the show and for the tour that was out. And so I. Actually, they actually called me back in to re-audition for it, and I re-auditioned for it. I chose a much better song. I remember the choreography for the audition, and between, it was a Tuesday, I was getting my taxes done, and I missed a phone call after my audition. And 24 hours later, I was packing up, and I was on a, uh, I was on a plane to Minnesota to start rehearsals to join the cast. Wow, that must have been an exciting transition. It was wild. It took me five more years to get back to New York and get all the stuff I had put in storage at a friend's house. <laughs> so, um, what was it like though when you first got there? How, do, you, do you recall how many auditions it took you to land that? Uh, how many times? And 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 what was your mind going through during that? Were there were there fantasies of failure? Were there were you were you scared or did you? No, just... you know I I've been really lucky that. Um, Maybe growing up uh, as a child of divorce and going between parents' houses and having to be, uh, you know, learn a new, have a new set of friends every once in a while or, or you know, be in different locations, I've always been pretty easily transitionable. Uh, when I was in, um, when I was in college, I, I went to England and studied for a year as well. Uh, doing a postgraduate degree in musical theater. And so I've always been able to kind of jump in, jump out. And so when it came to the auditions and things, um, as I had to work very hard at Starbucks <laughs> to make enough money to live in New York. Right. So I had one day to, uh, to audition a week, and it was Wednesday. So every Wednesday, it was my only day off, and it wasn't even a full day. I had a half a day off because oh, I had boy. my other job too. So it was, you know, I would get to any audition I could, when I could, and no, I had to pay the bills. So it was almost like your spiritual connection to the world. Listen, this is the half day I have to put into this process. Yeah. Whatever you've got for me, I'm there yeah. during this time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's and that's basically what I had to do. And I had just gotten comfortable living in New York, just making enough money, 
feeling pretty good, was able to start saving a little bit, was able to start doing things, not having like frozen dinners and things. Right. Um, and uh, and then I booked this tour and then I was gone. And then yeah. I, uh, I never moved back after that. I came wow. back to San Luis Obispo, yeah. So with, with that sort of ex- exciting uh, diversity in your environment, what was your what was your process in making meaningful connections to society's culture, historical context? How does that how does that experience translate in, in your ability to mold and create performance? Well, I think what it helped me do was always um, finding ways to be flexible and finding ways to survive and um, and be fully immersed in what I was doing and being really present in the place and time compared to wondering what's going to be on the other side of this thing or wondering what's what 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 did I leave behind me and instead of really looking at future stuff really focusing on like the present and mm-hmm. really focusing on um you know the the things that were around me compared to what could be what should have been what what needs to be. I don't know. I don't know if that's answering the question. No, very much so. In fact, that that sort of brings me to the idea that you're sort of defining your own personal rules of interpretation and and sort of how your creative license evolves because you're really in a present place in this story so far. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's been something that's kind of stuck with me for a long time and it goes into a lot of my work. Um, I know that I'm a freelance... I'm a freelance director. I think that's one of the reasons you had me come on because I'm I'm kind of an independent contractor director. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say independent contractor with with certain laws <laughs> in California right now, but um, but you know, so I I have worked um, for a lot of different companies, and you know, um, I don't always get the opportunity to choose you know what project I work on. Often I get. Um, asked to work on a project and that project has already been chosen by the board or chosen by a company and uh, I've always tried to insert myself in a way that I can find what it is to me in that moment compared to okay I plan on this plan on this plan on this and let me set up these stack of bricks and then knock them down instead I'm putting the bricks up as I'm going along with it and um, trying to kind of just stay present and find find the solutions, have mm. ideas of what the solution should be or could be, and let the solutions build them build themselves up. And, you know, with your relationship with me and Opera San Luis Obispo, that's probably a great example of how you were thrown into a very large but structured environment that you had to figure out how to work in yeah it was a it was a major difference um like i said i work i mean i work with you guys opera slow's production of south pacific was probably the largest on-scale production that i've been at the helm of um and you know um having done you know and you threw at me designing a show as well which was uh you know, I'd taken set design in college, but I'm not really a set Wait designer. a second. Am I learning now for the first time that that was the first show you designed? <laughs> that was the first That was the first full, produ- full production that I've designed. And I've been really lucky to work with um, set designers uh, at PCPA or Dave Linfield at Slow Repertory Theater and, and learn and watch their process and um, – see things that work and been able to lean on set designer in this in that case lean on set designers to say hey 
um, you know, this can work really well, this might not work, why don't you try this? Um, you know, and my, you know, my, my actually my father-in-law um, ended up helping me terribly with the, uh, with the, with the, actually the building of the South Pacific sets as well. So, um, and oddly enough, it was a very simple set. It was very large, but it was a very simple set. It was just a bunch of boxes. <laughs> well, you found a way to, you found a way to essentially make four massive buildings that would turn and join to make endless options on the stage. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and from, from what we heard, uh, I think in, in my 10 years at Opera San Luis Obispo, it was certainly the most, uh, the most active set. And that was a common uh, uh, response from the audience is that they said how exciting it was to see the sets move uh, as they were going to their next function. Yeah, you know, because the set, I mean, a dynamic set is just, to me, is just as important as the script, is just as important as the music. Um, it helps tell the story in a new way, too, and it helps people see things a little bit differently. Um, you know, it, it might be taking creative license in some way, shape, or form because traditionally you have, you know, this is a seven-location uh, show, right? And you bring in a drop, and behind the drop you put up the next interior set. And But all that stuff has never really interested me. What has always interested me was being able to create something that the audience can see and put together. And a lot of my work as a director at um, at Slow Repertory Theater, as well, being a, such a smaller space, has been a very active and, and dynamic set work as well. So I guess that's one of my one of my tropes is is moving set pieces around and letting the audience see it. That's that's fantastic. And and uh, and I do also just want to uh, go back to that for a moment is that I feel as though your your background in choreography and the and the rich uh, history that you that you have in that in that area that also came to life in the sets and their movement on the stage. There was a choreography to that. Well, there had to be because those sets were so darn big, <laughs> exactly. um, you know, and they were not very light. So I know um, at one point in time I had planned to have six of those building units um, to take up the big the big amount of space that we had. And then I realized we're not going to be able to build six and make this happen in time. And then also I realized we didn't have enough hands to move all six units at the same time. So, I mean, we had people five four to five people moving these set pieces as quickly as possible in the middle of songs to transition from location to location so that way nothing ever stopped that was right. my big thing was that uh, and i think with a lot of the golden age musicals in particular um there's a lot of dead time there where there's a scene in front of a of a, a scene in front of a drop right you sure. know that so you're building this the other set behind it um and uh and that has never interested me. So I thought, well, let's just do, you know, let's do what we can to, to avoid that in any way we can and still get the big drops that my maestro told me I had to have for, <laughs> for South Pacific as well. Yes, usually when we start a production in Opera San Luis Obispo, I wear a shirt that says, go big or go home for the first week. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I have to say, I, I hope within the um, within the boundaries that we had for that production, you felt that there was enough room to be you. Yes. And and, and that sort of uh, leads me to, to my next question, which is, when do you know it's ready to share this your work with the public? I mean, how do you manage to improve your 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 own quality of 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 internal creativity while 
within the confines of the next gig? You know, it's interesting. I grew up uh, in Ventura, California, and my uh, drama teacher and the director of all the shows and things that it was a real kind of sports background. So, and I grew up playing sports. I played high school basketball, believe it or not. I'm five foot five and I was on the team. I played the right bench just so everyone is aware. I was a good shooter, but I still sat on the bench most of the time. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I've always looked at, you know, w when is a show ready to, to be presented? That's always tough. The, show's ready to, the show has to be ready to be presented. We've got when, a hard line. When, when there's a date. And, and so <laughs> I, I'm a firm believer that if you know you have to open a show on this date, B, and you get to start rehearsing the show on this date, A, you have to accomplish everything that needs to happen in the middle, right? right. And so um, often some things might not be exactly what you thought they were going to be, but they have to be, right? They have to be what that production is and what that moment is. And I think there's always time for things to change and grow. Um, and as a director, that's one of the hardest things that I've had to learn over the years is, okay, um, a show's opened up and I need to step away now and let the actors find what they you know, what, what, where the growth is for them and let the stage manager find where the growth is for them. Now, a production where you do just two shows on one weekend after... I don't know. We, we had like four weeks of rehearsal for that show. Uh, I think it was less than that. Uh, it might have been. It might have been two and a, <laughs> two and a half. Have, might have been two and a half. But it felt like four. Um, you know, uh, one thing that I think uh, is nice about that type of situation is that you um, you can make some tweaks when it's for that short amount of time. Um, if you do that for a show that runs for six or seven weeks um, at a location. One, the actors start to hate you. <laughs> uh, and two, uh, and but I've seen it happen. I mean, you know, I grew up in in theaters where the director was at every show, right. and the director. Um, and as I crossed over into the profession of theater arts and as directing and acting, I learned, oh, they're not going to be here all the time, and that means that that the ownership is on me as the actor to produce what they. Uh, have asked this to. I think. What, what is it like releasing that child? I mean, because you know, here we have this intense. And I keep going back to South Pacific. That's my, our most mm -hmm. recent sort of major work. And and you know, here you had this intense focus and control and and connection with artists. And then we get to opening night, and suddenly Zach's not there. You're in the auditorium, mm -hmm. and you're looking at your child evolve in front of you. What's that? What's that experience like? Well, that experience in particular was something magical. Um, I had not anticipated. Uh, I knew it was going to be knew it was going to be successful, but um, I had not anticipated the way that letting that show open up made me feel. It was a very emotional uh, experience for me. I also might have been just exhausted, and <laughs> um, but you know. Um, and your wife was in that show. And my show wife was in the well. show and I just I was just very I, I just thought we, we, we spent a long time casting that show. And you I know you and I had some disagreements on some things, but nothing too bad, uh, casting wise. And um, I was just so proud of how that show turned out. Um, you know, at one point in time, this is years ago, maybe it'd been my first show, um, I <laughs> compared a show to uh, to like a terrarium, 
right? right? And like a, this orb, this orb terrarium that you know we we put the dirt in and we planted a tree and the tree is growing, and uh, and it's expanding. The terrarium's expanding as <laughs> it's growing, but the goal of the cast once the show opens is to live within this world that we all created together, and. Um, it made so much more sense when I was in my twenty, in my early twenties, like that type of thought. But uh, <laughs> uh, let me take that back. Uh, this terrarium. <laughs> so, uh, you know, a terrarium that you have created this whole environment and this ecosystem, and then this thing is growing inside of it, and it stays within the confines, but it has space to still expand and breathe. And um, that was one of the most important things for me to learn and also to be able to let go because it's not easy to let go. Um, South Pacific was a different style because again, it was such a short run and seeing my wife up there and seeing my friends and, and this new company and this big space. Um, but working, you know, in longer run stuff, um, it's almost more difficult in the longer run stuff to let things go because you want to be there. You want to see, you know, you've just spent eight months or four months or, six weeks with these people and you want to see them grow and you want to see the work that you all did together and where that's going to. Now I've been to shows that I've directed and I saw things that, (laughs) that I was not happy with at all. And so that was one, that was another big lesson to learn. Like, Hey, uh, you might not want to go keep seeing this stuff because once you let it go, it's not, it's no longer yours to control. It is, it is yours to enjoy and to appreciate. And you have to have faith in your actors and trust in your actors in a lot of those ways. That's, that's wonderful to hear you say and, and, and also rejuvenate me as an artist. I, I just, I feel like I'm in a classroom and, and <laughs> one of those classrooms where I'm so focused on every word that the teacher is, is saying. Um, Zach, just to recap a little bit, tell us a little bit about the comprehensive picture of who you are as an artist. What, what, how can we experience you? What are oh, the, many, man. the many forms that might I take I am place? such a jack of all trades, master of none trades. Um, I, like many people, I think, uh, I started out as a performer actor, um, and then I realized I was pretty good at dancing, and so I started taking dance classes and, and focusing in on that, and uh, from there, I started doing choreography and primarily I started doing choreography because, um, you know, up until the, uh, I was in my early twenties, I think I was 1920 when I choreographed my first show. I've been dancing since I was trained, training dancing since I was 18, 19 maybe. And, um, I knew that I wanted to go into the arts in theater as a profession. And so I had done my high school shows and I had done a couple of community theater shows down in Ventura County. And I realized I wanted to do this as a profession and I wanted to get paid what to do to have this time, to spend this time, to put this time and energy into these things. And so um, I became a choreographer out of necessity to make some money, <laughs> uh, you know, and to, to make a little bit of a wage. I think the first show I ever choreographed, I got paid two hundred and fifty dollars uh for my and it was a production of my fair lady at the ojai valley center of the arts oh i Um, love that town and uh and you know but at that time it was like okay i'm making this first step and then that you know i stayed with with that company for a couple years um court the second show i ever choreographed was south south pacific actually there and then um 
from there, you know, I um, was doing choreography for a long time, five or six years, and I said I'm going to start a theater uh, dance company um, with the high school students from my old high school who I had just done a show with, um, and I was living here at the time, and Venters a couple hours away, and so we would meet every Saturday, and I created a piece and I created something loosely based off the film Alfie which is, I don't know why I chose Alfie of all <laughs> things. There might have been a good song in it. Um, and step into the role of producer. Now, that didn't make any money, really, because that was really just kind of a passion project. But I have this dance company um, that we you know spent a year of our lives together. And um, from that point, you know, I had, uh, I had gone to New York after that, and I knew I had wanted, when I got back to San Luis Obispo from tour, um, I knew I'd wanted to start directing and choreo doing choreography. Um, I like to be the choreographer and the director. I like to have an overall cohesive flow to what's right. going on. And that involves very much, like you said, with the set stuff earlier. Um, and so it was important to me to actually get that first chance. And um, I hadn't get, been given that opportunity uh, with Sorcerer Productions at the time. and. Um, that's when I got connected with Kevin Harris. This must have been 2011 or 12. Um, and he took a chance on me and let me direct and choreograph my first show, which was Oklahoma, uh, oh. which was a show that's very near and dear to me. From I'd, I've only been in the production once, and that was when I lived in England. Um, but uh, my whole family's from Oklahoma. I grew up with Oklahoma. I knew that show very well. Um, and uh, so I really he took a chance on me and let me do that. And from there, that kind of, I think that's the overall definition of, of who I am in a lot of ways is, um, I guess I'm a director, I'm an actor, director, choreographer, producer, and now designer, and I do a lot of different dancer things. And, and, and dancer, and I just try to make things happen. I mean, I've danced with Ballet Theater Slow as well uh, for Terry Sablodnik, and, um, I don't know. I, I that's a really rambling answer to your question. No, but. that's a great answer because so many of our young folks that are looking at uh, acting or the the arts as a as a performance career, they're in that place. They're in they're in one they're in one position right now in their in, in the young part of their life, and they're wondering where it's going to be. Where's my direction going to be? And and that's my my closing question for you, Zach is. Having come full circle and really having a picture of, of who you are and, and who you've become, what would you say to a young person who's maybe 13, 14 years old, extremely talented, and really questioning if they can, if this is the right path to follow? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the biggest things that I've learned is, and, and now in rethinking re about all of it today in this conversation, is being able to stay flexible and staying open to. Uh, trying different avenues um, you know there's going to be a point in time as a theater enthusiast uh, performer or designer or anything in which you decide I want this to be either my passion and my hobby or my passion and my career and um, that's a hard jump to make and I think the more you can be open and being flexible with with accepting what comes to you and and just doing your best work every time possible. You might fail miserably. I've failed a lot of times in a lot of different avenues. Um, 
in, in the arts. Uh, people might not see them as failures. I see them as failures in a lot of ways. Um, but that's okay. You know, I know this is what I am meant to be doing. I know this is what I want to be doing. And um, the thing that has behooved me the most is to really stay open and always say, and say yes as often as possible. Um, you know, and if you realize you don't like something, you don't have to do that again. You know, you, you know, if you ask me to design another show, Brian, I might say no because it wasn't my favorite thing I've ever done <laughs> now. But, you know, then but then you and I discuss it and we figure out things around it. I think, you know, being willing to learn everything and execute it to the best of your ability. And that goes for anything in life. But really putting your best work forward and even if it's not up at the level that you think it should be or somebody else thinks it should be, you can only do your best in that moment in time. I'm a big believer in what is, what should happen will happen. And what you can do as a human being is to just stay as positive and work as hard as you can uh, to let those things happen well and, and execute them efficiently. Zach Johnson, thank you so much for being here with us today. It is an exciting experience to be hearing your journey, and you're a director to follow. I look forward to working with you real soon. Thanks, Brian. Nice to see you. If you found this content insightful, please subscribe and review on your preferred podcast platform. Funded by the Arts Collaborative, this podcast was produced on-site at the studios of the San Luis Obispo County Office of Education. For more information, visit us at www.slocoarch.org. That's S-L-O-C-O-E-A-R-T-S dot org.